we're in the uh, last gasp of First Peter chapter 5, and it's very appropriate that today we talk about community because Dean and Charlotte have been sweet community for us for all these years. But in First excuse me, First Peter 5, Peter's been walking through this closing statement. He says, first of all, remember Silas, a faithful brother, and he says, this is, uh, this is the truth. He says, we plead and exhort you to understand that, that this is the truth. Stand firm in it. And then last week, we, he said, Mark, my son, and Mark, as a young man, deserted Paul and Barnabas, and, but he came back. And he was reinstated and restored and rehabilitated and forgiven. And I said last week that you cannot send yourself outside of the orbit of God's grace in Christ. And so we come now to this little verse, verse 14. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all who are in Christ. Um, greet one another with the kiss of love. We believe that's cultural, okay? A handshake is what we do. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, the summer is 1979, April. I'm a first-year seminary student, and my job was cutting grass and scraping sidewalks. And I didn't want to do that in the summer of Fort Worth, Texas, but that's what I was going to do. In April, my seminary professor of mission stands up, Cal Guy, and Cal Guy says... We just received funding for two men to go to uh, northwest New Mexico for the summer and go door to door and try to start Bible reading groups that will hopefully grow into a church. And we have the money for this, and you receive nine hours of credit for this. And I shot my hand up. And I applied, and they accepted me. And I went there with a young man named Henry Smith, who was a very bright, articulate a really wonderful man who was a graduate of the University of Georgia. He was the anomaly. Um, <laughs> and if you're from Georgia, that means exception, you know. Um, so, so we go to... Anyway, um, we go to northwest New Mexico. It's a beautiful area, and we're going door-to-door. -door. We're supposed to go door-to-door -door and meet 30 people a day, six days a week and do this reading list, and we were single summer before I married Sarah, and as we went through this community door to door, one day we knocked on the door, and a woman came to the door, uh, very young, dressed like that, and her husband was right behind her, and they were part of the very conservative Mennonite community in northwest New Mexico. And they invited us in, and better than that, they had us over for supper that night, and, and for twice a week, for eight weeks, we had supper with them. And they were delightful people. She came from a, a Jewish background, and at San Diego State had come to faith in Christ. He came from a traditional, uninvolved Catholic background, and came to faith in Christ at San Diego State as he was getting a, de a degree in electrical engineering. And they were parents of three young children looking for a pure community of Christ where they could express their faith. So they, they happened upon this community, moved to northwest New Mexico. Delightful people. Now, Mennonites, are, 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 they, they, are, they don't resist evil people, so they're, they're what we call pacifists. And they, are very, they, they have a lot of no electricity. Some of them even put black 
cloth on their bumpers because that's ostentatious, chrome, silver's ostentatious. They really tried to live the simple life. No jewelry. And so they kept asking us to go to church with them. We were busy every night, but one night they were having a special prayer meeting and we were free, so we went. And we're back in the hills of northwest New Mexico. When we got there, and there were about 150 people there, the women sat on one side and the men on the other. And they had a brief biblical exhortation, and they really prayed. It was a wonderful prayer meeting. And they prayed, and it was, I was just, man, I was moved. And, and then the head elder stood up and said uh, a word, and he said, in the name of Jesus, amen. And at that point, at that point, the men on one side and the women on the other stood up and, and commenced to kiss each other on the lips. <laughs> and I'm standing there. Now, I'm not dressed like them. And I said, you know, they're, they're pacifists. But if one of them comes up to me puckered up, I'm going to hit him. <laughs> and uh, and I, I, really, I, had, I must have had shock written all over my face because Chuck laughed and leaned over to the guy. The man said, we only kiss members of our church. And I started singing praise God from whom all bless. So anyway, after, after we got back to the house and we had some more food, he, he could have told me ahead of time. He said, uh, I know that may seem strange to you, but he said this, I, I, I cannot greet a brother with a kiss of love if there's bitterness in my heart. I think you can say I can't shake a hand, but I mean, but that's, I think that's a principle of the kiss of love. It's mentioned twice in the New Testament. That, that what, what he's saying is, is that greet each other with a kiss of love. Have purity in your heart towards your brother, and the peace of Christ will rest upon you. Here's my thesis this morning. We are people of Christ, people of a Christ-honoring community, as we keep coming back to the living stone. We keep coming back to the living stone. In 1 Peter 2, it says this, verse 4, it says, As you come to him, Christ, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, plural, you group, second person plural, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are a Christ-honoring community as we keep coming back to the living stone, whose name is Jesus. Spurgeon this week said this, morning and evening, grace-filled, gospel-oriented souls are never perfectly at ease except when they are in a state of nearness to Christ. For when they walk away from Christ, they lose their peace. The nearer to him, the nearer to the perfect calm of heaven. I said, amen. See, there's a little, little diagram, four circles. The innermost circles are relationship with Christ, and then in the home, in the church, in the world. It's all an overflow. It's all an overflow. We are a community as we continually come back to Christ, who is the living stone, the cornerstone. So, so, all of life is to be lived out in the context of the reality of Christ and the gospel of grace. All of life. And so, I want to say this morning that, 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 that for us to be the church God has called us to be, we must be in community with each other. A small group where people 
love and care for each other and pray for each other and walk with each other. And there, there, there are three aspects of, of a small group. It's, it's a redemptive community built around the glorious nature of Christ who are being transformed by the Word of God and they have a missional mindset or an outward focus. And we've got to have that. And I, I just, my, my purpose today and next week is to say we believe in community. God has called us to community. The, the promises of the Bible are to the community of God's people. And, and we become a community as, as we, like living stones, come to the cornerstone and we're continuously built up and we have relationships that are redemptive. We have transformation by the power of the Word of God and as we think about how we can impact our culture for Christ, we're missional. So I'm going to go through a, a few passages here in, in, in 1 Peter that kind of ramps up to this concluding statement about the kiss of love and about the peace of Christ. He says in chapter 1, well-known verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to obtain inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. He says you rejoice in this. He says you glory in this. He says, you know, angels long to look into this. He said the Old Testament prophets who spoke and wrote the Word of God realized they were looking from afar and they were serving the present generation who has seen the glory of Christ revealed. And so he said, after he says all of that, he says in verse 13, therefore, therefore, or in light of all that's been said, Prepare your minds for action. Be sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But he says this, therefore, it's based upon the gospel of grace and the Lord of all glory, whose name is Jesus. Therefore. Read a sermon by John Bunyan this week. Man, it was a dynamite. Bunyan died in 1691. This is what he says in part. This is our bigger quotes in the bulletin. Mercy, listen, mercy is the only antidote against sin. It is of a thawing nature. It will loose the heart that is frozen up in sin or indifference. The mercy of the cross, listen, is the antidote to carelessness or sin or whatever. It is of a thawing nature. Boy, I like that. We, we, we all get hearts that are cold or indifferent. We, we, that, we, it's, it's the waves, the tides. It is of a thawing nature. And that's what Peter says. He's, he talks about the greatness of our salvation. He says, therefore, therefore, Prepare your minds for action. Be sober in spirit. But this, the therefore points to the reality of Christ. All of life is to be lived out under the context and the, of the glory of Christ and the gospel of grace. It is of a thawing nature. And then he says this in chapter 1, verse 17. He says this. And, and, if you call on a father who judges impartially According to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile or, or your earthly life, 
knowing, verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He says, listen, he says, live your lives out before your Abba Father, to whom you'll give an account, knowing that you were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Once again, that the ground of his appeal is, behold, the glory of the gospel of Christ and the beauty of the Savior. Knowing this. And so I, when I studied this passage, I thought, you know, this, this little verse that says, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, that's, that's, the, that's the gladness and the gravity of the gospel. The gladness of the gospel, Abba, Father. Because the cross, rebels can now call the living God, Abba, Father. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. When Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, pray like this, our Father, Abba, Father. But Abba, Father, who welcomes us and receives us, says, I, 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 I've called my people, and I expect of them to live a life that gives honor to me. We'll, we will give an account. But, but all of it is lived out under the knowledge of who Christ is. All of life is lived out under the gospel. All relationships under the gospel. Abba, Father. Psalm, Psalm 39, 4. We should pray this every morning. Oh Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Fleeting. Fleeting. Wow. Maybe it's just me. I haven't read this, but I've just observed it. I go to the library and I just scan through new books. And, of course, the culture and, and dollars flow to demographics. And since baby boomers are getting older and they are the, the biggest age group and they have the most money, there are going to be more and more books written to baby boomers. And I've seen more and more books on how to live to your 130. There's even a guy who came out a few years ago and said, I really believe that there's a possibility that you'll never die. Well, he died two weeks ago. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, if you if you you go these go go just go to the new book section and notice the books about living to be 130 or 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 70s and new 30 whatever like that you know that type of stuff. And I, I thought I'd like to write a book that just says life on it. And inside the, the subtitle would be if you're 50 on the day that this book is published by the time the pages are brown with age you will be dead won't sell much <laughs> the Bible says teach me Lord how fleeting is my life T -t teach me to live with gravity teach me to live with gladness but with gravity and this works its way out in, in relationships, for example, and 
Romans 14, there was a serious issue in the church of Rome. And, and, and the issue involved, there was a group that said, it's really good to eat only vegetables. And then there's a group that said, no, we like to eat meat. And believe it or not, that caused problems in the church. And then there's another group that said, we believe there are certain feast days and fast days that all the people in the church should keep. Another group said, no, each day should be just like every other day, every day. And, and Paul addresses that. And, and, and it's, it's almost like he's talking to third graders because it's so simple. He says this in chapter 14. He says, listen, don't, don't, don't pass judgment on your brother on non-biblical, non-essential issues. He says, come on. Come on. One man can eat meat. One man doesn't want to eat meat. One day has a fast day. One man doesn't. These are disputable, non-biblical matters. Then he says this, for none of us lives to himself alone and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ died and lived again that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. He says, we belong to Christ. Live that way. And the thing about that passage, in part, a man named Martin Luther in the 16th century wrote a little pamphlet, about 40 pages, called The Freedom of the Christian or Christian Liberty. And he says this, a Christian man or woman is the most free Lord of all and subject to none. He's free in Christ. A Christian man is the most dutiful servant of all and subject to everyone. You're set free in Christ because you don't have to earn your way into his presence. God loves you with an everlasting love by the cross. So you're free, but he turns and he says, now you are your brother's keeper. You, you, you've been bought with a price. Glorify God with your body. And you see, all of life is lived out under the rubric of this reality that the gospel is glorious and Christ is our king. Gladness and gravity. We live before God. I, let me recommend a movie. This is a good, it's a red box, $1.30, okay? And it is a really, really good movie. It's about Jackie Robinson, number 42, the first African-American to play professional baseball. Um, and and it, it, also, there's, there's a little, very readable book by Eric Metaxas called Seven Men, the Seeker of Their Greatness. A very, very good book. I would strongly recommend it. Metaxas wrote Bonhoeffer and a book on Wilberforce. A, a very good, readable book. But one of the chapters is about Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey, the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers. And it's very clear that, that, that they were men. The movie brought it out some, but the book clearly brings out their faith in Christ. And, and they did what they did in, in part as a response to the gospel. But Branch Rickey decides to break the color barrier in professional baseball. This is the 1947. And they, he brings Jackie Robinson on. Robinson's an outstanding athlete. He's just not a token guy. He's a great athlete. And he, of course, hits all types of walls. And the Philadelphia Phillies uh, had a manager who was a racist, and the owner called and he said, if, if you bring Robinson, Branch, if you bring Robinson to Philadelphia, we will not take the field because we're not going to play the field. 
against the guy who, who's, who's black. And in the movie, in the, and also the biographies point this out, so this really happened. In, in the movie, Branch Rickey, who's really fun. In fact, in the movie, he says, Jackie Robinson is a Methodist. I'm a Methodist. God is a Methodist. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in the movie, uh, Branch Rickey says, Herb, let me ask you a question. Herb, the owner of the Phillies. Do you think God likes baseball? And he says, well, what's that got to do with it? And this is what Ricky says. It's great. It means someday you're going to meet God. And when he inquires why you didn't take the field in Philadelphia against Jackie Robinson, and you say it's because he was a Negro, it may not be a sufficient reply. <laughs> then you... I, I just loved it. And the biography says that was the actual conversation. You walk before God, and so do I. And so ultimately, we play to an audience of one. You, you walk before the Father who, who judges each man's work impartially. So that's why I say that, that, that it's the overflow of who Jesus is in us. That's why we need community. Let's keep on going. Next verse, passage, is, is first. Peter chapter 1, verse 22, says this, having purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. See, you, you, you love your brothers from the heart because you have been born again. You have received the Holy Spirit. You love, you're in community because you've been born again. You love, you're in community because God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has always been in community. You've been born again. See, having purified your souls, just a little red flag, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth. You say, okay, okay purified souls by obedience to the truth. What is the truth? The truth is the previous 21 verses. The gospel. The gospel. The gospel purifies. The gospel gives us love. When you're a worshiper, you want to do those things. Just, I was reading this week about a man that I admire very much in college. He got involved in a group that, that had four absolutes. Absolute honesty, absolute purity, uh, absolute unconditional unselfishness and absolute love. And those are good things. I was not speaking about those things. But my, my concern is that when you start having a, a list or a cause, and that becomes the focus instead of the gospel of grace, that's the overflow into these areas, we lose the gospel. You can be involved in worthy, wonderful causes. I mean, you can be part of the Bible read through a year league, which is a wonderful thing. And you say, man, we read through the Bible every year, and you go around and you campaign for reading through the Bible, but it's really got to be, behold the gospel of grace, behold the freedom found in Christ, behold the one who said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now get in the Word of God. You can be involved in the pro-life movement, which is wonderful, but I know I've seen people, they get involved, involved, and involved, and the gospel becomes ancillary, not primary. The gospel must be primary, folks. Social justice, wonderful, yes, go for it. But you become so involved in social justice that the gospel becomes ancillary. You see what I'm saying? Since you have in obedience to the truth, what's the truth? The gospel. 
purified your hearts for a sincere, earnest, unwavering love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. And the question is, is Christ preeminent? Is the gospel preeminent? For you have been born again. We live out everything under the reality of who Christ is. We love each other as a response to who Jesus is in our lives. Now, what happens? What happens when that reality hits? I'm just going to hit this passage very quickly, but we're still in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter 4, 7, it says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Realize the end is at hand. Be self-controlled, sober-minded so you can worship. So you can be a person of prayer throughout the day because you call on Abba Father. So you're, you're, you're self-controlled, you're alert. The end is for your purpose of worship. And he says this, above all, love one another Earnestly, there's that word again from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Love each other earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, the sins talked about here are not horrific, earth-shaking sins. I mean, the Bible, 1 Corinthians, a man was living with his father's wife, his stepmama. And Paul says, deal with it, guys. He's talking about the daily sandpaper rubs that people hit with you in your life, their inconsistency, their lack of appreciation, whatever. You see, when the gospel takes root, love covers a multitude of sins. Let me tell you, I thought about this. I don't want to upset you. I do not want Santa Claus in my community group. I don't want anybody in my community group that's making a list and checking it twice. I'm going to find out who's naughty and nice. Because I'm naughty. And on top of that, it's really weird that Santa kisses mama underneath the mistletoe. So it's kind of weird. Really, who, who wants a friend who makes a list and checks it twice? I, I don't. Because I'm not a faithful friend. Who wants a marriage to someone that has the Santa Claus complex? If you do this, this, and this, then I will cook you supper. And he says, if you do this, this, and this, then I'll work around the house. If you do this, this, and this, you can kiss me goodnight. There's a Greek word for that, and it goes, whoopee. Now, you want to be married to somebody who has a Santa Claus complex? You want to be in a community that people have a list and check it twice? I don't. I want to be people who are grace-filled. I want to be with people who understand the gospel, and, and the gospel is rooted in their hearts, and it flows out into their lives. And so when I don't do the things that I, I should do, they don't come up to me and say, that's it, that's it, three strikes, and you are out. No, they just keep loving they keep praying. They're just there. God has surrounded me with people like that everywhere I turn. Everywhere I turn. And it's because the gospel is rooted in their soul. 
The second thing he says in this passage, he says, he says, be people who give hospitality without murmuring. And I think really there, the, the, the primary emphasis is do concrete acts of service. Do concrete acts of service. First John says that don't just love in word and speech. Love in deed and truth. Do something. Do something. Just do something. There's a book by a guy named Tripp called Broken Down House. I, I, would, I don't read this at marriage ceremonies. It's a downer. But it's true. You don't want to read it from the bride's glowing, the groom is excited, and everybody's happy. But this is true. Marriage involves a flawed person in a comprehensive and interdependent love relationship with another flawed person in the middle of a fallen world, but with a faithful Savior. Because this is the unchangeable reality of every marriage, there is not a day in any marriage where ministry is not required. The person you are living with is in the process of being restored. I remember Dr. Guy again sitting in the seminary one day. He said, he said, men, I am married to a woman who's mean as a snake. And we were going, what? And he said, and I'm as mean as two snakes. He says, you throw us together, this is what we do. But you know what? The cross gets in the way. You're married to a flawed person in a fallen world. Amen? Don't be afraid to say amen. <laughs> Come on. That's, that is a theologically sound statement. Don't sit there and say, oh, I don't know why I'm saying If you're sitting beside your spouse, look at them, they're flawed. <laughs> flawed. And you live in a fallen world. Man, the cards are stacked against you. My mama and daddy, 65 years this week. That's a legacy. You know, you mean as a snake, you're married to somebody mean as two snakes, the cross just gets in the way. Doesn't it? But you take this, take this and just take out the blanks. Friendship <laughs> involves a flawed person in a comprehensive and independent relationship with another flawed person in the middle of a fallen world with a, but with a faithful Savior because of this. We need ministry every day in every relationship. The person you are in friendship with is in the process of being restored. That's what we are. That's the church. And that's why, brothers and sisters, let me say, you need to be in a community group. You need to be having community in redemptive small groups where the gospel is central and there's not the Santa Claus complex runneth amok and where the word of God is transforming you and where you say to each other, how can we impact our culture for Jesus because time is short and I am dying. And I have one life. That's what we want. That's what we want. And so that's why link night is going to be September 15th. Right? 15th. Right? 6.30. Right there it is. 6, 6 o'clock or 6.30? 6.30. The original manuscript says 6.30. That's a copyist error. Okay. 6.30. Okay. Thank you for being a great church. Thank you for being a community 
of grace to us for years and years and years. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day you've given us and for the mercy of the gospel. Thank you that uh, everything is lived out under the context of the beauty and goodness of Christ. Thank you. Uh, thank you that you've called us unto yourself, Lord, and, and uh, thank you that we are flawed people living with each other in a fallen world, but we have a wonderful Savior. Uh, we're flawed parents raising flawed children in a fallen world. We're flawed friends walking with flawed friends in a fallen world. We're flawed uh, uh, children living with flawed parents. It's just, just we, 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 and we need grace. But I pray that, as we, that we would understand that as we walk with you and as we know you and as we seek you, that the overflow of our lives will speak of Christ. And thank you that I see that all over my life with the people I have the chance to know. And it's just good. It is so good. I pray for marriages today. There are marriages that are uh, hurting right here. They may not even know it, but um, I just pray that the cross will get in the way of, of bad attitudes and unforgiveness. I pray for children who won't be reconciled to parents and and parents uh, who, who need to love their children. Lord, we, we just need the Holy Spirit's power to show us Jesus. So do that, and we will give you the glory. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's stand.